All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rice Elite Podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. I am the host and I am the founder of this show, and I appreciate you guys joining me for another episode. I know it's been a while since we've had an interview episode. I think it's been a couple months now, but today I'm making up for it with an incredible guest, and I'm super excited to be able to share that with you guys today. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with the Rice Elite Podcast, then first of all, I want to thank you for joining me today and listening to the Rice Elite Podcast. This show is all about three things, God, freedom, and the great outdoors. It's my goal to be able to share the ideas, the stories, the conversations around those three things. So we celebrate God, the creator. We celebrate our freedom in Christ. And we celebrate our freedom as American citizens. And we do that through our pursuits in the great outdoors. And that's what I plan to continue to emphasize with this podcast. So thank you guys for joining me today. If you haven't connected with me on social media, then I want to ask that you guys do so. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash RKE afield. So that's RKE as in rice, kill, eat a field. You can find me on there. And then you can also find me on Instagram, which is where I'm most active at the handle at rice, kill, eat all lowercase all together. So you can find me on there on Instagram at rice, kill, eat, and we are getting close to about a thousand followers. So if you guys haven't connected with me on Instagram, then do that. That way we can get, kind of get over that four digit hump. So we're getting super close. And, uh, I know for some people that's not a huge deal, but it is kind of cool to be able to think back to not that long ago when you know, we barely had a hundred. So it's really cool to be able to see how it has grown and how God has used it. So if you guys haven't connected with me on Instagram, then do that at the handle at rice, kill, eat. All right. So today I am joined by Maddie Montgomery. Um, I've been a huge fan of his band for a couple of years now. Um, I was, as you guys are going to hear in the episode, I was actually a little bit of a late bloomer in discovering for today, but Maddie is the husband. He's a father. He's like I said, he was the lead vocalist for the former band for today and is now a pastor at the altar in Johnson city, Tennessee. So he has been obedient to the call of ministry and has planted the church right in the middle of the smoky mountains. And we basically cover his journey from being in high school all through college, uh, touring with his band and then where he's at today. He's also a hunter. He just finished up a whitetail trip in, in Texas and had an interesting story to go along with it. So I'm excited to be able to share that with you guys today. Now, in today's episode, we discuss, and I'm sure as you guys saw in the title of this episode, we discuss a verse a couple times, and that verse is 1 John 4, 18. So I wanted to read that for you guys, and then we'll dive right into my conversation with Maddie. So 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. All right, so that perfect love cast out fear. As you guys saw with this episode's title, that's exactly what we're going to cover. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode today. So again, thank you guys for joining me on the Rise Complete Podcast and enjoy this conversation with Maddie Montgomery. All right, so I've got Maddie Montgomery on the Rise Complete Podcast today. This is the first interview episode that I've done since I think October. So this is a, this has been a couple, couple months in, in the making here as far as the Rise Elite podcast goes. So Maddie, I appreciate you taking some time today to jump on the Rise Elite podcast with me, man. Oh, of course, man. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely my pleasure. And, uh, I've been a fan of for today for a long time and, um, you know, just kind of following what you're doing right now. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, once I saw that you were a hunter, I was like, man, I got to get him on the Rice Kelly podcast because this is, that's exactly what this this show is all about. It's all about God, freedom, and the great outdoors. And um, I know that's something that is right up your alley. And I, I definitely, definitely appreciate you taking some time today. Um, has has hunting, has it always been something that you're into or, has it, or is it something that's new? How does that journey kind of look for you? Yeah, no. So um, I, I didn't grow up hunting uh, at all. Didn't grow up around guns or anything like that. <clears throat> and uh and even, you know, I kind of went straight from, from high school to college and then from college to playing in for today. And, uh, you know, being in a band, uh, I probably 
could have capitalized, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I probably could have capitalized on all the traveling we were doing and, and booked some cool hunting trips. But, uh, um, but I just, you know, never had time to really learn about anything because we were just in a different city every night traveling, you know, 300 plus days out of every year. And, uh, and so, uh, it was really in about 2016, uh, 2017, early 2017 that I, that I came off the road full time. I wasn't traveling as much and I started getting a couple guns and, um, went and bought an old Browning 30-06 and took it to the yeah. range and got it sighted in and, uh, you know, was just thinking, man, I love this and, and started getting more guns. And, you know, eventually I, I said, well, I've got to, uh, I got to figure out something to do with these. <laughs> and uh, uh, and right. you know, I, my wife was like, why do you keep buying all these guns? And now you're wanting to go on hunting trips. And I said, well, you know, it's either this or golf. I got to, I got to have something to do with all this free time I got now uh, that I'm not touring. <laughs> right. And so, uh, so I, I've really only been hunting for a few years, uh, only about uh, four years now. So um, I love it. It's a, it's a, a, amazing. You know, every, every, uh, every hunt carries its own fun story with it. You know, everyone is an adventure. They're all different. And, um, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, man, I just, uh, it feels like I'm connecting with something in my, you know, DNA as a man to get out yeah. in the, to get out in the woods and, uh, you know, away from cell service and emails and office meetings and, uh, uh, you know, it feels like connecting with something ancestral, tribal, ancient, something that men have done since the beginning of time. And uh, there's something really beautiful. I, I feel like it's it, there's something even holy about it. Yeah, absolutely. 100 percent, man. That's that's a awesome story. And I know of, you know, several people who've had that same kind of journey where uh, they didn't necessarily grow up in hunting. And it's something that they got into a little bit later on in the life. And I think people who have that that kind of uh I guess the, the hunting experiences, I, I think they, they end up developing a different kind of mentality towards it. Cause like with me, I, I started whenever I was a young teenager, I was probably, I don't know, 13, 12, 13 or so when my dad started taking me. So it's something I've been involved in for over half my life. And, uh, you know, I think whenever I hear people with this similar story as yours, uh, and they, they've only been hunting for a couple of years. I just think they have a different mindset within it. And, uh, as far as the, the whole golf thing goes that golf can be expensive, which so is hunting, but at least you get to eat something out of the hunting deal. That's so. exactly right. <laughs> I'm never going to be good enough at golf to put food on the table with it, but I can do it. There you go. There you go. Was there ever a, like a specific person that came alongside of you that, you know, kind of showed you the, the ropes as far as hunting goes? Cause there's a lot, you know, especially, if you get into hunting different kind of game, uh, you know, yeah. birds, big game, that kind of thing. Is there anybody well, that, that kind of came along to help you out? Not really. You know, I'm my, my good friend, YouTube has helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, not really. I don't know that there's one person, you know, I had uh, a good friend of mine um, who's a pastor. He's one of the, the staff members of a church that we were a part of for a long time down in Mobile. <laughs> his name's Trey Wright, And he's, he's been a hunter for years and years. So he answered a lot of questions for me. And another friend, Chris Mathis, uh, he pastors a church up in Edmonton, Canada. Uh, you know, those were some of the guys that when I was just getting into it, they were answering a lot of questions and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I went hunting with both of them and, and didn't get anything either time. So I don't know how much even they know. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were, uh, maybe they were, bad guys to be listening to, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but they're, uh, but g good guys, great friends. And yeah. They help me a lot. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's why they call it hunting and not killing. I guess it's, there's, that's right. there's been a lot of times I've gone out and, uh, more times than I'd like to admit, gone out and come home empty handed. So <laughs> it's always worse whenever my kids ask me, Hey, did you get something? Uh, nope, not right. this time, but <laughs> not this time. Well, I mean, and I always have to remind myself a day spent, you know, being quiet in a tree stand is, is a time well invested, I think. Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Well, speaking of getting some, I know you just went to uh, Texas here recently. I know that one went pretty well for you. So how did your, uh, uh, I guess, go, kind of share the details of your Texas whitetail hunt, man? Yeah. So I've got a buddy that has a, uh, um, a, fr a ranch with um, free range whitetail on it and some access as well. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I flew down there and spent just uh, two days with him. In those two days, I, sh I got uh, 
three bucks tagged out for the year in Texas. Um, we got three bucks, uh, one seven point and two eight points, uh, nice. which was which was pretty all right. And um, here's the crazy thing about that hunt. So we, I, I went out, I flew in like midday. We went out that night and uh, and I got an eight point. Went out the next morning, got the seven point. Went out that that evening and got another eight point, And I flew home the next morning. So it was it was a real quick trip. <laughs> yeah. Here's the crazy thing about that trip. So I flew out to Texas with my, you know, hunting rifle, and I brought an AR too because he's got some uh, some hogs on the the land. We actually didn't even see one the whole time we were there, but uh, yeah. So we didn't we didn't go hog, hog hunting, but I brought my my AR, and uh, I, I flew back home from San Antonio to the Tri-Cities in East Tennessee where I live. And when my plane landed in Tennessee, I turned my phone on and I had a text from my wife saying, hey, the bear is back. Get home as fast as you can. And uh, so the, the airport's probably 20 minutes from my house. And so I think, you know, we we saw, we had seen the bear a couple times. Um, it, there was a bear that had walked through our property uh, you know, maybe a month or two prior to this. And then, uh, while I was in Texas, she's texting me videos and, um, pictures of a bear digging in our trash cans right in front of our house. I mean, 15 feet from our front door. And, uh, and I'm thinking, Oh gosh, you know, the one day that I am, uh, am not there, you know, the, a bear shows up. This is crazy. So the next day I'm flying home and I get a text from her, the bear's back get home as fast as you can. My hopes are low because I think there's no way this bear is still going to be there in an hour, you know, after I've, uh, you know, got off the plane and got my bags and got my guns from the, uh, from the security, uh, um, desk and, uh, and got in the car and, and drove home, but I fly home and my wife is texting me updates. She said, I can't see it, but I just, I feel like it's still here. Um, and, uh, and so I, we, we live on about 22 acres. So our driveway is pretty long. Our house is at the very back of the property. You can't even see it from the road. So I'd yeah. start driving in our driveway and I, I park the car and, uh, and I get my AR out because, um, I, I may need the flashlight. It's getting dark. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I just start to hike in cause I, I figured the car would scare a bear away if it, if it saw the car coming. And so right. I just hike up my driveway and, um, uh, I get up close to my house and sure enough, probably about 35, 40 feet away from our front door, hidden back in the woods, there is a full grown male black bear, um, laid on the ground, eating some food it pulled out of our trash can. And, uh. <laughs> So I have two guns with me. I've got the thirty out six, and I've got my AR fifteen. I would never recommend taking a bear with a, a two twenty three round ever to anybody. Right. Um, yep. However, I can't see. It's just dark enough that I can't see through the scope of the the six point five Creedmoor. Uh, or did I say thirty out six? Is the Creedmoor not the thirty out six? So I've got the the Creedmoor and the. Uh, um, and the, the 223, the AR-15, and and I'm right. like, man, I don't want to use the AR on this. The Creedmoor could get the job done, I think, with one shot. However, mm-hmm. um, I can't see through the scope on that. So I'm holding the AR, and I text my wife, and I say, hey, come outside. I'm going to ask her to hold the AR so I can see, and then I'll use the 6.5 Creedmoor. She starts to walk out, and the bear gets up. Now, I'm dealing with, you know, I'm dealing with this bear for, for a couple reasons. Um, number one it happened to be that day of all days, it happened to be hunting season, bear, bear season. And I had a bear tag. So it was pretty, pretty perfect. Um, but also because this is where my children play, you know, they ride their bikes around here every day. And uh, if the bear starts getting in its head, that this is where it comes for food, um, that, that could spell trouble. That's also, we've got chickens up there by the house and stuff. It's where our dog goes to the bathroom. There's could be a lot of issues. And so, um, I, uh, as soon as my wife starts to walk out, she's going to hold the the AR. As soon as she opens the door, the bear stands up to walk away. So, um, I think I can't, I'm not going to have time to explain to her, hold this gun with the flashlight on it. And then I'm going to use the other gun. So I just take, I take the first shot and, uh, and he takes off running into the woods. Now, um, I'm running into the woods after this bear 
and uh, it's getting real dark. The, the woods are thick uh, behind my house, so it's hard to see. So I, I'd sort of just run out, you know, I go into hunter mode and I run out into the woods and, uh, and I realize after maybe a minute or two of chasing this bear through the woods that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the dark woods chasing a wounded black bear. And, uh, you know, I'm shining the light up in the trees, trying to figure out where this thing went. It probably ran about 60 yards and I caught up to it and it, it had stopped and was kind of licking the wound and then it saw me come in and, and stood up like it was about to charge. And, uh, thankfully I had the AR. So I put three more right in the middle of its chest and he turned around and he ran, uh, uh, maybe another 15 or 20 yards. And then he, and then he fell and I caught up to him. Uh, at that point he was dead uh, at the foot of a tree kind of down, down a hill, uh, back behind my house. Um, and so, uh, I, I went to Texas hunting deer, got three of them and came home. And before I even walked in the door of my house, I had also shot a bear. Um, and, uh, it was a, a pretty unbelievable story. I mean, I felt like I've got to remind myself that this is not what hunting is normally like. Animals don't come right. to your, come to your door, just begging to be shot during the hunting season. That's not a, a thing that happens, but, uh, it, it worked out pretty perfect. So that bear is going to make a great rug. I think, uh, in a couple months when I get him back from the taxidermist. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, that's intense. Holy cow. I can't imagine running through the dark woods after a, a wounded bear and those things. I mean, they can, especially the males. Well, I guess really both male and female, they can get aggressive too. Cause I mean, that's, that's uh that's pretty, pretty incredible, man. That's awesome. Oh yeah. It was a, it was a great adventure. That's what it's about. You know, it's uh, about it's those moments. About, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the unscripted moments when that the big buck walks out of the, the woods, the one that you've been looking for. I mean, I, I, I went bear hunting up in Maine last year and, uh, we, we set some dogs on a bear that we had on trail cam, um, that looked like maybe a 180 pound bear and, uh, chased him yeah. through the woods for seven hours, finally got around in front of the bear and then uh what ran out of the woods straight at me was a 350 pound boar of a bear uh and uh it was twice as big as the one that we'd seen on on the trail cans so somewhere in the woods mm -hmm. the dogs got off the scent of the the bear we'd originally seen and went and found me a way bigger one and uh so he's <laughs> hanging in my office right now but uh yeah there's always you know, those those sorts of uh unpredictable uh moments man that's what makes uh that's what makes hunting fun yeah that's what that's what does it didn't you know we were mentioning before how you have those moments where you don't get anything you may not even see something but it's all made up for whenever you have those those types of moments whenever oh, you know it yeah. just it goes it goes everything goes perfectly i mean it's it's a, that's pretty that's pretty incredible and it's i can definitely understand you know the the rationale behind you know wanting to take care of this bear especially on your property around your house having kids and everything i've got two kids of my own i got another one on the way a uh, little girl she'll be born in june oh cool Congratulations. yeah thanks man i can uh but i can definitely understand you know wanting to take care of that bear because you just never know i mean they're wild animals they're not the type of animals that you see at the zoo and i think a lot of people whenever they you know see a grip and grin picture of you know like a bear or uh a deer really just about any kind of animal um i think people who aren't involved in hunting or have never hunted in their lives they just don't quite have that that, un that understanding of what's going on in that situation i know that's right. something that you face quite a bit i know it's something i think anybody who has hunted long enough and they're willing to share pictures and willing to share information on any kind of social media i think it's something that they see a lot and you know how do you deal with you know the kind of criticism of I guess, uh, you know, taking a, taking an animal and sharing the, the pictures on social media and then, you know, having those, those keyboard well, warriors jump, you know, on, I, jump I, on you like yeah, that. I think for, um, you know, for every one person that is real ignorant and offended, there's probably 10 more that even if they don't hunt, they understand, um, right. you know, the, the value of it. And so, yeah, you've got crazy people out there being crazy, of course, and you'll have that with anything. But I think, uh, for the most part, I think most people are pretty reasonable about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, I I think if, if we look at all things, all things being equal, um, you know, you've got uh, 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 a meat industry that is uh, 
really corrupt, really, I think, immoral fundamentally. I mean, the idea that animals are, you know, born in some industrial farm somewhere with millions of other animals or hundreds of thousands of other animals packed into a, you know, three foot by three foot little box, just pumped full of hormones and, uh, and weird, you know, chemical laced food their entire life. Uh, and then, and then slaughtered without ever mattering, without ever getting to explore or adventure or, um, you know, or mate or, uh, or, or dig or, you know, just experience life. I mean, these animals never get the opportunity to experience life and, and that people would, and then, you know, they get shipped off to Walmart or, or target or, or whatever, uh, you know, big, big name supermarket grocery store yeah. people are going to. And, and people think that going and you know, buying beef or, um, you know, pork from, from that type of, uh, system to support that type of system is somehow morally superior to taking an animal that is living its best life, you know, running around mating, you know, fighting, doing what animals do, exploring. And, uh, and then one day is eating a meal or, or is, you know, wandering around and, and, uh, and then the lights just go out because it, it got taken by a hunter with a good shot. I think, man, that's not a, that's that's the the absolute best case scenario for an animal in the wild. You know, I recently saw a video of a group of hyenas eating a gazelle that was pregnant and ripping her stomach open and tearing the baby out of her stomach yeah. and eating it in front of her. And I think if if you make any person watch that and say, okay, this is what death looks like in nature, if man doesn't intervene, it's either this or it's a bullet, a well placed shot that puts an animal down in a matter of seconds. Um, which would you take? I think any moral person would think that the most sympathetic death that an animal can receive is is a a gunshot or a, an arrow shot from a skilled hunter. And so, um, you know, I I I think if anyone could just look objectively, yeah, it's sad that animals die, but it's also a fact of life. Yeah. And um and and they're not going to stop dying if we don't if we as hunters stop killing them what'll happen is that they're going to start dying in way more brutal, violent, terrible ways. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like if you're an animal in the wild, the best case scenario for you is to get shot by a hunter. And, um, you know, I understand that not everybody understands that not everybody's going to like that, but the way that I see it, um, I think we are doing our part as you know part of the food chain. Uh, and, and we're doing it as ethically as we possibly can. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I totally agree with you, man. That's that's something that I think a lot of people, they, they struggle with is that the knowing what is actually going on out there, you know, whenever, you know, the, the camera crew isn't out there filming it and making it look all cute and whatever. It's there, there is this reality that, that animals are going to die. Like it, it's going to happen regardless. People are going to die. I mean, that's just part of the life cycle and that's, that's just what happens. And, um, you know, it, as you were saying, if, if we have the opportunity to be able to take advantage of, you know, this resource that God has given us through wildlife and through his creation and be able to provide some meals and some food for our families and our friends and be able to share, share, uh, the stories, you know, just as you just did, you know, and, uh, be able to glorify God in the process. Then I think that's definitely, definitely something that, uh, I think God would be well pleased with as far as being able to utilize, you know, um, and having this dominion over, over his, his creation. So I 100% agree with you, man. That's, that's awesome. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit on you here. Uh, it's kind of a, an abrupt, abrupt, uh, I guess not really a segue, but kind of just a, uh, switch gear on you. But, um, you know what, I know listening to your music and, uh, hearing some of your interviews that you've shared on, uh, you know, different platforms and that kind of thing. I know your childhood was a, pretty challenging for you. So, what did your childhood look like for you? And then how did that really evolve into, you know, having this, having the faith in, in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Well, you know, I, so I grew up without a dad, my father, he was an awesome dad, but he, uh, he died of cancer when I was eight. And, um, so I grew up in a single parent home with my younger sister and my mom. And, uh, you know, I, for, for a long time was just angry at the world. You know, I felt like, 
the hand I had been dealt was unfair. And, uh, um, and I just, uh, I was upset and I was angry, you know, and I would look at everybody else's life and wonder why they deserve to be happy. Uh, and I don't, and, you know, was dealt with, struggled a lot with depression and, um, and anxiety, you know, just a a lot of, um, anger issues and, and emotional problems, uh, growing up. And, you know, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really until, uh, I was probably, um, I guess it was the week of my 19th birthday that I, I was in college and I was searching for truth. I was trying to find a place to belong. And uh, I think as a lot of people do in college, uh, and I kept coming back to this idea of, um, Jesus, you know, who, who he, who he is and what he represents. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was on the, the steps of my, uh, college dorm in the, the summer of 2006 that, uh, I was reading a book, uh, about religion and, and, um, suddenly, you know, I was reading a book about religious concepts, ideas, and philosophies. This is just, this is just human thought, I thought. And then suddenly the God of the universe kind of broke into my life in a, a really real way. I just, uh, the way I, I described it once is, is it felt like waking up in a room full of strangers. It was like very unnerving. Uh, I, I realized very suddenly that I just wasn't alone, that that God wasn't an idea or a concept, that God is alive, he is a person, and he's very, very close to me. And uh, man, it, it was scary and beautiful uh, all at the same time. And and I just began to deal with the Lord uh, in that moment and, and say, God, you know, I feel unqualified to do anything meaningful for you. Uh, you know, I feel... I feel scared, you know, and, and every, uh, every sort of objection that I would bring to him, you know, I'd say, I would say, God, I, I'm too, I'm too weak for you to use. And he would say, yeah, but my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And and I'd say, well, yeah, but I'm so scared. And he would say, yeah, but perfect love casts out fear, you know, and every objection I had, uh, he had an answer, uh, yeah. uh, for, and so, um, you know, after that, I, I would love to tell you after that, I f- have followed the Lord every day without ever looking back. Now, you know, I, after that, I began to follow the Lord. And, and I would say that that's the moment, that would be the moment I, I, of my conversion, the moment that I really became a child of God. I was raised in church. I knew Bible stories. I had prayed salvation prayers before. But what happened after that is is that it it felt almost like sin just didn't fit me anymore. It was like a shirt that had shrunk in the wash. I, uh, you know, the, the things that I used to be real comfortable in and confident with, uh, I, I quickly became ashamed of and disgusted by, you know, I, I was so proud of my sexual conquests and, and proud of my compromise and proud of my perversion before this, uh, you know, I, I would celebrate wickedness and, and self-destruction in a lot of ways. And then, uh, you know, after this moment, man, I, I still engaged in some of those activities, um, but you know, I'd wake up the next morning feeling like, oh man, I'm better than this. Life is supposed to be different. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that was the moment that I was really marked and transformed by grace. The moment I became a new creation in Christ. And then I, I it began, began a long process that honestly I'm still in, uh, of discovering what it means to live like a man of God. And, uh, you know, thankfully the Lord began to bring some men into my life to, help model that for me and point me in, in the right direction. And so, uh, um, you know, I've, I, I, I think I'm still probably only at the beginning of that process. Uh, I think we probably all are, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, that was the moment that God set me on the path of discovering, um, who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. And and so I'm, uh, I'm still, uh, enthusiastically learning, uh, what, what all that looks like and what all that means. But, I'm really loving it along the way. Yeah, 100%, man. That's that's incredible to hear that and uh you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer in, you know, that repentance, true repentance is a process. It's a lifelong process and you know, that I think that's supported by a lot of what Paul wrote about. I mean, that was that was really you know, a lot of that he wrote about was that this it's this life that we're given here on earth while we are still breathing oxygen. You know, I think it's it's a continuous process of repentance and I think it's a continuous process of 
learning who God is and how we can glorify God in that process. And, um, you know, it's great to hear that because I I think a lot of people can relate to that and can relate to, you know, reverting back to those, those old habits that really took over our life whenever we were, when we were apart from God, you know, and didn't have Christ in our hearts yet. And then, um, you know, having that, that moment of conversion where, where Christ enters our heart and, you know, we have this opportunity to be able to, to seek him and this opportunity to be able to, to glorify him in the process. And that's, that's great. And I think, I I remember, cause I, I listened to a lot of your sermons on, uh, uh, the altars, um, podcast show. So I'll, I'll be driving work and stuff and I'll, I'll listen to some of your sermons. And I, I think a, a recent one here, you mentioned how, you know, like Buddha and Muhammad and, you know, all these philosophers and all these, you know, religious, I guess, type people, uh, they have this idea of morality and they're all pretty consistent, but there's only one person. There's only one option that we have to be able to, to approach that whenever we mess up that, that more, that morality for us. And that's, that's through Jesus Christ. So he, he gave us the option because he became sin for us, died on the cross so that we don't have to, uh, live up to the, the shortfalls of, of, falling short of that morality. And I think it's something that's totally true. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, we, we have to embrace as Christians. And I mean, you, that's just, that's just part of, that's part of having that relationship with Christ is understanding who he is and, you know, why he was sent here and, and what he came here on this earth for. That's right. That's exactly right, man. You know, I think, uh, um, for us, I think that it's such a huge, uh, I, th- I think it's a huge missed opportunity um, that we refuse to discuss or consider other religions or belief systems. Because mm-hmm. if we're, if we are objective in the way that we look at it, there are huge holes missing in other religions and belief systems uh, or huge parts missing. And, and the, the piece that's missing in every, uh, every other religion or every other ideology or worldview is the, the idea of a, a savior. Uh, all of them teach us that we are in need of a savior, and yet very, very few of them, uh, or, or, or only one of them, uh, offers us uh, that that salvation. And and that is a uh, um, obviously that's that's our, our faith in Christ. It's a Christian um, worldview. And so, you know, I think that there's something really beautiful about the, the confidence that we can have, knowing that everybody in the world acknowledges their own sinfulness. Even even atheists. I mean, ev- there's nobody I've ever met that can't take a look at their own life and say, "Yeah, I have been selfish. I have been arrogant. I have been perverse. I have been wicked. I have been prideful." And uh, uh, you know, and, and and most worldviews try to make people feel better about that. But there's this nagging thing called conviction. That's why in John 16, Jesus says that when the Helper, when the Holy Spirit comes to the earth, He will convict the world of sin of righteousness and of coming judgment. That conviction isn't, isn't only reserved for church people. Uh, the ministry, the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit isn't something that is exclusive to the church or to Pentecostal or charismatic Christians. That's, that's a global phenomenon. Uh, conviction is a global phenomenon. So everybody's aware of their own sinfulness. That's the Holy Spirit's work at, at their life. And, and our job is only to tell them that there's an answer for that sinfulness, that, 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 yeah, I, I understand that you feel guilty, that you feel ashamed of some of the things that you've done, but there's actually a solution for that. There's there's a way to come out from under the weight and the burden of your own shame and to come into the freedom that is only available uh, through, through putting your faith in Christ. So, yeah, I don't think we should shy away from that stuff. I think there's a lot of insight and perspective we can get um, by by acknowledging what other religions teach. I'm not saying we should like practice other religions, but but by acknowledging what other religions teach, because if, if we look at it um, appropriately, we'll see that they all really point to Christ, even if they just don't realize it yet. Yeah. To kind of use the analogy of sports, I played football in in high school and college and kind of use the analogy there. You like, you study the other teams to kind of understand, you know, how they play and, you know, what their mentalities are. And you use that information to kind of kind of make your own own team stronger, and you know that's I think right. we can do something very similar with that. But yeah, man, that's a uh, that's great, and that's that's incredible. And thank you for sharing that. And um, you know, 
right around that time, I, I think I remember you uh, mentioning that for today kind of started around, you know, when you were in college and around that, that time period. So when did that, when did the band kind of come into, into the picture for you? When did you guys decide to get together and start making some music? Yeah. So I, um, right after I gave my life to the Lord in the summer of 2006, um, he, he began to kind of reawaken, uh, a passion in me for music. I'd played music in high school, but I had laid it down at that point to go to college and be responsible and grow up. And then, uh, when I gave my life to the Lord, he began to really kind of reawaken that passion in me. Uh, and so I, um, uh, started playing in a band kind of casually abandoned in, in Michigan with some friends of mine. Uh, the band was called besieged. And, uh, we put out a, a, a record in like 2006 or maybe early 2007. And then, uh, I, what happened is as I came closer to the Lord and, and began to really walk with him, um, in, in greater intimacy, uh, he started to awaken a, a passion in me for music, uh, that I didn't expect. And so I was playing soccer in college and that was kind of my whole life. I thought that was going to be my ticket, um, to really make something of myself, get a college degree and, and really pursue the opportunity to play professional soccer somewhere. But then, yeah. uh, uh, God took me on a, a whole other path. And in, um, September of 2007, um, I, I had this just overwhelming sense that I needed to be on the road on tour playing music. And a friend of mine called and said, Hey, there's this band called for today. And, uh, they, they, nobody really knows who they are, but their vocalist just quit and they need a, a, a new vocalist. And, uh, they really love Jesus. And I said, well, they sound like my kind of guys. Let, let me reach out and see what we can do. So I did, I, I messaged them on MySpace because it was forever ago. <laughs> message them on MySpace, and then uh, uh, they got back to me and said, "Well, why don't you come out and we'll do some rehearsals and uh, see if it's a good fit. We'll go on a thirty-day tour, and um, you know, at, at the end of those thirty days, if it works out, then that'll be great." So we we started a thirty-day tour. I want to say September twelfth uh, of two thousand and seven, and then uh, um, you know, over the next uh, nine and a half years that 30 days turned into a lot more than that. Yeah, that's, I know, um, for me personally, you know, I first, I was kind of a late bloomer when, uh, kind of discovering for today, I was actually, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I was actually out mowing my grass and I was listening to August Burns red Pandora radio and a couple of the for today songs come on. And, um, you know, I, I started listening to the lyrics and you, you can definitely hear the, the love of Jesus in that because a lot of, bands especially like metalcore bands they'll be kind of vague with their lyrics as far as you know the the christian uh metalcore bands i guess i should say be a little vague as far as their uh you know their affiliation with with jesus their affiliation with their faith but for today i mean you guys just completely you completely tackled it and it was uh oh i love to listen to the the lyrics and you know even going back and googling the lyrics of some of the the for today songs and just reading them and this is it's incredible to sit there and and uh, read them and check them out and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's, that's awesome that you guys had that, that faithfulness to do that for nine and a half years. That's a, that's a long time to devote. That's a long chunk of time to devote to traveling. I mean, traveling that can be exhausting and that's, that's great. So you guys were able to do that. Yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was a blessing for sure. I, I think we had a grace for it for the time uh, that, that we did it, but uh, it's definitely, um, it's a fond memory, but not necessarily something I would want to do again. You know, uh, I'm glad I got to do it. Great life experiences. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm raising, raising my three little boys and taking my wife on a date every week now. And, uh, so it's, um, I'm, I'm glad it's over, but but it was great. It was great while it lasted, man. And we had uh, so much fun and, you know, ultimately I I would always tell people, people would say, man, I, I would love to be able to be in a, a ministry like you. And, and I would always say, well, listen, you know, I, uh, um, our band is not necessarily a ministry. It's, it's, it's our job. It's our career. And I just go to work every day, determined to give glory to the Lord while I'm at work. And I think anybody can do that. If you're a dentist or a lawyer or a, you know, uh, the, the guy that picks up the carts at Walmart and brings them back into the store. Uh, if you're a, a teacher or a, a professional hunter, you know, whatever, Whatever it is that God has you doing, you are you can do that for the glory of the Lord. 
And so, um, you know, that, that for us, I, I think, um, you know, for, for us, that meant standing on stage while we played shows. Um, but I, I think for everybody, they, they have the same opportunity to give God glory, um, right where they're at and to, to do their work, um, in, in a way that would be honoring to him. Yeah. 100%, 100%, man. So what is it about the, uh, metal core genre? I mean, I know that's something that, um, you know, they're not going to be playing on Caleb by any means. And that's something that you probably won't necessarily hear at the, at the gates of heaven just because of the aggressive tone. But, uh, you know, what is it about metalcore music? That's something I've listened to since I was, you know, probably in middle school is that, that metalcore style music. And I think a lot of, for me personally comes from, you know, some uh, aggression, you know, anger issues and stuff that I had as a kid as well, but I still listen to it today as a 29 year old, you know, father of three and a husband. So what is it about that, that style of music that really intrigued you guys? Oh man, you know, I, I think like the Bible says that there's a time for war and a time for peace. I think that the Christian um, church has been really good at making music for peace, <laughs> for peace times, really bad at making music for war times. You know, I, I think yeah. in those times yeah. in your life, when, when your marriage is on the rocks, when your children are, are being seduced away from from the faith by the uh, by the the alluring uh, temptations of of the secular world. Uh, when you need to really stand in the gap and say, "Absolutely not! This will not happen in my world." We need music for those moments when the stakes are high, and uh, and I think that that's what for today um, helped provide. You know, is music that would bring boldness and courage and intensity and aggression back to a church that has been taught that um, passiveness, indifference, and uh, and weakness are are holy. I, I think we need I think we need men that are willing to to stand up for what's true, that are willing to fight for something. And uh, you know, I was taught as a child that that the best thing a Christian man can be is quiet. And uh, I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. I think we need wild, radical revolutionaries in the church again. And so we spent 10 years of our life writing music to, to plant some seeds and inspire people uh, to step into that, that call of God. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's exactly what it's done for me. It's really, uh, you know, revolutionized my, my relationship with Christ. Cause you know, I think a lot of people, they see Jesus as this meek, mild kind of guy who just, you know, hugged everybody and, you know, was I don't know I guess lack of a better word almost like a hippie type style yeah but you know that's that could be further from the truth because I mean there was Jesus had emotions like he he we read about that in the gospels and um you know he he flipped tables he was aggressive I mean he was a person that while he was on this earth fully man fully God he shared this aggression he shared this this mentality of like you were saying of war like he he was fully 100% aware that there is a spiritual warfare going on and he was you know willing to show that and i think that's something that a lot of people they miss whenever they are reading about jesus and whenever they are trying to get to know him more is that he is a warrior yeah like he is somebody who is who's willing to fight and he's he's willing to fight in the way of giving his own life for us and which is the the ultimate sign of of love and the ultimate sign of of sacrifice and you know going to war and that's yeah that's 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 great and I, I definitely can uh, can appreciate that style of music man oh thank you so much man yeah so uh we've kind of alluded to it a little bit here but um now you're obviously you're not you're not touring you're not uh with for today um now you're a pastor down in Tennessee yeah I'm a I'm in Moorhead, Kentucky, so I'm only about three and a half hours oh, cool. away from you. You have to come visit, but, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, so what was the motivation to kind of start a a church, to plant a church in the middle of the Smoky Mountains there in Johnson City? Yeah, man. We so uh, in in 2016 when the Lord called me away from the band, um, I, He didn't call me to anything else. It wasn't like I got a job offer somewhere and and quit the band for that reason or there was anything wrong with the band. It was like the Lord just said, okay, you know, will you trust me? And, um, and so I, uh, I sort of stepped away from the band and people would say, well, what's next? And I'd say, I'm going to take my wife on a date. I'm going to take my kids to the park and then I'll, yeah. and then I'll start praying about what's next, but I just want to finish this well. 
And uh, so, so we did, we finished at the end of 2016. We did our farewell tour. And then uh, I just went home for a while and stayed with my family. I'd travel and preach here and there, but for the most part, I would just um, hang out with my, my family and go shoot guns at the range from time to time. But then uh, uh, in, in uh, the middle of 2018, in July of 2018, I was praying one day uh, in my, in my church, um, my, my home church there in Mobile. Uh, Alabama. And, uh, um, the Lord said, gather the family. I heard, I heard the, the voice of the Lord say, gather the family. And I knew what that meant. I knew that, um, you know, through my time in ministry, both traveling to preach at conferences and crusades, but also with for today that, um, you know, probably 99% of the people they heard, you know, good music or they heard a good message and they were inspired and encouraged and strengthened and maybe God did a great work in their life. But there's that 1% of, of people that heard something deeper than that. They heard not just what I said, but they heard the, the, uh, gosh, how do I put it? They, 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 it's almost like they heard a, a unique frequency from where I said it. Uh, they, it was like they heard something, um, more than just the message. They heard like the permission for them to be who they had always known in their heart God had called them to be. They heard the sound of home. And, uh, you know, many of those people uh, would like move. They would move to Mobile because they knew that that's where I lived, but I didn't pastor the church there. I wasn't in charge of that. So they would come into the church we attended. And not only was I gone probably three quarters of the time, uh, but even when I was there, I would really protect my time because um, I, I wanted to be with my wife and kids. I wanted to prioritize them when I was uh, home from, from the road. And so, um, I, uh, uh, so I would, um, people would, would move to, to be close to me and my family and, and to, to get to learn from us and relate to us. And, uh, they would never really get that opportunity. And so when the Lord said to, to me in 2018, it's time to gather the family. I knew what that meant. He's talking about the people who had wanted to get close, but who had been unable to. Uh, people who had had felt that draw in their heart from the Lord to get to get joined to uh, to me and to be discipled and, and raised up and encouraged and um, and sharpened in the faith and so we uh, um, I, I I went and spoke in one day I, I got my wife together with my pastor who's more like a dad my spiritual father down there in Alabama um, and I said guys I've been praying about this for a few weeks and. Um, I think that the Lord may be calling us to to move from out of Mobile, where we had been at that time for seven years, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and to plant our own church somewhere. And they they both said, "We feel like this is the word of the Lord. This is right. It, it feels right. I think you got. You know, I, I think that it's going to be a place where my family can thrive." And so, all right, we said, "All right, Lord. Well, where is it?" And then uh, over the next couple months, he began to fill in some of the blanks. We had never been to Johnson City before, didn't know anything about it, didn't know anybody here, but I was driving into the office one day and God started singing that old song, Wagon Wheel, by Old Crow Medicine Show. I started hearing that song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I get to the part about Johnson City, Tennessee, and I think, man, I wonder what Johnson City is like. So I start Googling pictures of it and uh, and we add it to the list and the, and the Lord takes begins to to go through and systematically erase every major city. And he says, I want you to go to the little city, the one that nobody's going to expect, because that's what I like to choose. Uh, that's what I like to use the most. And so um, so we went to, uh, we came to Johnson City in July of 2018, about a year after the Lord gave me that initial word. And um, we launched our church in January of 2020, which is a terrible time to launch a church. And yet, in spite <laughs> of how insane 2020 has been, God has blessed our church. He's grown our church. It is thriving. The relationships that people are forming are deep and meaningful. Not only is the church growing in numbers, but it's growing in in, in depth of intimacy with God and with each other. I mean, it's it's an, an amazing and uh, an incredible thing to see. It's nothing short of miraculous what God has done with our church, the Altar Fellowship, here in Johnson City over the last year since we launched. Yeah, that's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that song because every time I hear Johnson City, Tennessee, that's exactly what I think of as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, I think we've seen this trend with a lot of churches this crazy year, this twenty twenty year, where you know 
the churches who are faithful to scripture, the churches who are faithful to the way that, you know, God intended the churches to, to be governed and to be ran, you know, in acts. Um, I think you, we end up seeing this, this type of thing. We see the growth, we see the, the, I guess the, the, I don't know, faithfulness, I guess is what I'm trying to get at here of these churches that are doing this. And, um, you see the growth and the success that they're having in this, in this crazy year where as so many people or so many churches who have kind of gotten away from that and they've tried to, to please the government and they've tried to please people and they've tried to do all that thing. They've, they've really struggled this, this year. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, that that has occurred, but it's, I guess it's one of those things that's a reality, but I'm so glad to hear that you guys are having that, that success and, uh, keeping the, the main thing, the main thing, I guess, is the, is what I'm getting at here. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I have spent way too much of my life sometimes literally screaming at people, telling them, uh, to be fearless, uh, and to, uh, and to honor God's word above all else. And um, now we have the opportunity to do that. God's word says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Um, and so, you know, I understand and, and don't deny the risk involved. You know, I, I don't deny the uh, uh, the seriousness of what's going on, but I have a, a different philosophy, I think, than, than many people in the modern church do. And, and that is that I, I don't think that the reason the church gathers is... Um, is for the sake of teaching. I think that the reason that the church teaches is for the sake of gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. that that the ultimate goal is is not to have a well-informed church, but to have a church that loves each other and loves God. And um, and you just can't do that through Zoom or a live stream or a podcast. And um, and so uh, and Jesus said, "The world will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another." And um, and so we are uh, uh, really learning to value God's word and, and learning to sort of settle our hearts and say, you know what, God's word is the ultimate authority. And if I'm really honest, yeah, I'm scared. I don't want anybody in my church to get sick or die. I don't want people to lose family members. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't. I think it probably a, a, a more frequent um, risk is that, you know, People might lose friends over this, you know, not that they would die, but that people might get so offended by the fact that they're gathering together with other people at events that, that they might not talk to them anymore, you know, and, and people might get attacked or discouraged or um, accused because of, uh, of what our church is choos- choosing to do. But man, at the end of the day, we've got to, um, we've got to make God's word, the ultimate authority, the, the, the beginning and the end of every decision that we make. And um, God's word told us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And I and I have this suspicion that God knew coronavirus was going to come when He inspired those words to be written. And so, uh, oh, absolutely. So I, I don't think He was taken by surprise. I don't think that He forgot to consider uh, COVID and the risks involved. And so uh, we're just praying that God would protect our community, but um, and keeping our heads down and and just um, continuing to to obey what his word said and to let his word be the ultimate authority. But yeah, man, I think, um, I think where we have gotten it wrong in the last generation or two is that we have believed, uh, that the reason the church gathers is to teach when it's the exact opposite. Actually, the reason the the church teaches is to gather that we, we teach and we instruct theology and good theology because good theology is sort of the the feast that we are able to unify around. We come together around the knowledge of God, the pursuit of God. That's what unifies people. It's what joins people together in community. Uh, it's what bonds people. And um, and so we're we're not gathering so that everybody can hear me teach. I'm actually teaching because it's it's that teaching that draws people together, unifies them, and um, and, uh, and 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 draws them into community. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, whenever I I read Hebrews ten, I don't see an asterisk anywhere that says except for a public health crisis. Right. Like, it's it's pretty straightforward. Like, right. So I mean, that's 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 pretty well, incredible. And, and, I'm so and ultimately, man, you know, I'll, I'll say it like this: for for Jesus, we have a historical record that eleven of his twelve um, closest followers were were murdered for following him. And so the yeah. the death rate, the mortality rate of following Jesus during his earthly ministry was way higher 
than, <laughs> than coronavirus in 2020, right? And uh, so That's was it. Jesus unloving or uncaring? Was he heartless and, and murderous? Was he a, you know, a science denier for, for um, drawing those guys, for, for inviting those guys onto a path that he knew would cost them their life? No. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think we've got to, if Jesus is our model, we, we know that, that the holy call of, of God, uh, on somebody's life is worth risking everything for. And, um, that is a, a, a very serious thing. It's not something that I take lightly. Um, but from my position as a leader, I, I can't in good conscience, um, teach people to compromise God's word when it becomes socially unacceptable. Because it's only going to become more so in the the years to come, and we need a a generation in the church that will honor God as God, and will will obey Him as such. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you you see that early on in the book of Acts as well with uh, Simon and with John. I mean, they're literally getting beat almost to the brink of death by you know R- Roman government by the Roman Empire, and they you know they're being told don't go back out to the courts and preach anymore right. and they get arrested and then they get set free and they go straight back out to the court. It's probably right. still, still healing from their wounds from the last beating they got. That's right. And it's just, it's that amount of urgency that the early disciples had with the gospel is something I think is totally missing from uh, the church today. Yeah. I think we've just gotten too comfortable and I think that we've just gotten, you know, we're, we're okay with our skinny jeans and scarves. And, you know, that's, our, that's what's, what's going to make us a Christian is if we, if we listen to Caleb on the way to church. And, um, I just think we've gotten too, too comfortable. And, you know, I think you've kind of alluded to it a little bit here, but what is the one issue that the, the church, you can do this from, I guess, a, from a national perspective or even a global perspective, but what's the one issue that you think is, uh, facing the church right now, as far as, I guess, holding, holding us back a little bit. Wow. Well, if I, if I had to, um, put my finger on one issue, I think that issue would be fear. Um, you know, f- we know that, that perfect love casts out fear. That tells me that fear and love are mutually exclusive. And, um, and so, uh, you know, now I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. That's a whole other subject. In fact, I wrote an entire book about it called scary God. People can read if they're curious, but, uh, but I mean, yeah. you know, the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection or abandonment, those things are mutually exclusive. You, you cannot carry those around and also uh, hold fast to the love of God. The, those two things are, are mutually exclusive. It's either one or the other. And to the degree that you allow fear to govern your life, it, that is the exact degree to which you refuse to allow love to govern your life. And so... um. I think that the biggest issue facing the church in the Western world is is fear, that we are, are just as fearful as the rest of the world, that hope has left us, and we've allowed CNN to be our spiritual compass instead of God's word. Uh, yeah. And so I, you know, at the end of the day, man, I think the church needs to get lost again in the love of God and needs to to believe again that God is God, that we are in his hands, that he is in control and that he is actively working for our good and for his glory in our generation. Yeah, 100%. I can totally agree, man. I, I definitely appreciate it. And I thank you for taking some time today to get on here and talk with me on the Rise Elite podcast, man. And where can listeners, where can they connect with you? Where can they, you know, learn more yeah. about what you're doing with the altar? And where can, well, where can they really They can go to the altar, A-L-T-A-R dot org. And, um, and if they go there, they can you know, read, read about what we're doing. They can watch videos. They can listen to podcasts. Uh, they can reach out, send an email and, uh, it'll, it'll end up in my inbox. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear from anybody that has a, a story to tell or a question to ask, but, um, yeah, they can go to the altar.org. Awesome. I'll definitely, uh, I'll include in the show notes of this show on Apple and on, on YouTube and wherever else it gets posted. I'll put the, the altars website on there. I'll also put some links on there for your books and the podcast and everything and, um, social media, all that kind of thing. So again, thank you so much for, for joining me on the rice Killy podcast, man. This was a, a great episode. I'm, this is actually going to be the first episode posted in 2021. So cool. we're going to come out hard and heavy. So love it. I appreciate it. I man. love it. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me, Tyler. All right, guys. So there you go. There is my conversation and my hard and heavy talk with Maddie Montgomery. 
I definitely want to encourage you guys to check him out on social media where he shares some awesome content, just shares his life and as a, as a father and as a husband, as a pastor. So definitely check him out on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you guys for joining me on the Rascally Podcast today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of the Rascally Podcast. I'm excited to be able to share my next conversation too with you guys with another great guy. So be sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the future episodes of this show. So see you guys next time.